0: Lord for thy grace that we might dwelling place may be
1: Welcome to Life Study of the Bible brought to you by Living Stream Ministry featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee two ministers of God's economy who served together in China for nearly 20 years An exhaustive commentary on the entire Bible. This program is based on those messages. Before we join today's show, we'd like to give you our website where you can find more programs just like this one. It's lsmradio.org. Again, lsmradio.org. Now, here's our show today. The Bible tells us to love our enemies even to treat those who hate us well. And to the one that beats us on the cheek, we should turn the other. Well, we've all heard such teachings, and we may agree with them, and even strongly desire to be such humble and meek persons. But when confronted with evil treatment or slander, we lash out in anger and hatred of our own. But there is one in whom this kind of behavior does not come with difficulty and strife, In fact, it matches the very character and nature of his life. For there was a time when we were his enemies and even his haters, but he captured us with his love, and now he blesses us by imparting his very life into us with the same capacity to love and forgive and forget. Welcome to this Life Study of the Bible program today. We are in Luke chapter 6, and Francis Ball has joined us for fellowship on... Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount. Francis, welcome back to the program.
2: Thank you very much, Chris. It's really interesting to see how the Lord leads us to react to kinds of treatment we read about in this portion.
1: Yeah, it really is interesting, Francis. I think many of our listeners will no doubt see a similarity today between what we have in Luke 6 and a portion in the Gospel of Matthew known as the Sermon on the Mount, chapters 5, 6, and 7, But as we've been seeing over and over again in this life study of Luke, the focus of Luke is quite different from that of Matthew. Uh, So even though these sections bear a lot in common, there is a significant difference, isn't there?
2: Yes, there really is, Chris. There's a difference here because of the emphasis in these two Gospels. In the Gospel of Matthew, we have the emphasis on the kingdom. So all these points of the Sermon on the Mount, so-called, are the ones that have to do with the kingdom, the reigning of the king within us. Right. And then in Luke, we have a high standard, even the highest standard of morality presented to us in this God-man, this man-savior. His humanity is what's emphasized here, so we really see a high standard, even the highest standard of morality. So when we touch these points, they're from a different aspect with a different view.
1: Well, Francis, uh, Luke chapter 6, beginning at about verse 20 and through verse 49, touches many items that are developed in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. We have selected a few of them to discuss today and to get into. Normally, we have about three segments to fellowship over. Today, we may have four or five, depending on how we manage our time, Francis. So let's begin by looking at Luke chapter 6, verse 20. And I think, a point that many of our listeners will have heard before. And he lifted up his eyes to his disciples and said, Blessed are the poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Let's join Witness Lee for this first point today.
0: We, the believers in Christ, who have been born of God, should be a people blessed by God. We should be a blessed people, not a cursed people. You know, after man got fallen, man became cursed. Man became a cursed people. But in the Jubilee, the Lord has rescued us out of that curse and has brought into God's blessing. So we should be a blessed people. The first characteristic Of the blessed people is that blessed are the poor. Poor here bears two denotations. Number one, poor in physical things. And number two, poor in spiritual things. When we are poor in physical things, in earthly things, this poverty helps us to be poor in spiritual things, in heavenly things. When people are too rich in the physical and earthly things, it is very difficult for them to be poor in spiritual things, in heavenly things. Many people who were chosen and called by God, after becoming rich in physical and earthly things, they were very difficult. To be poor in spiritual and heavenly things. So God has to do something. To take away their physical earthly riches. That they might be poor in spiritual and uh, heavenly things. If we are so poor, the kingdom of God is ours. See, here... Verse 20 says, blessed are the poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. If you go back to Matthew 5, there it says, blessed are the poor in spirit. We surely have to be poor in our spirit. If we are so poor, that means we are humble and we are not proud. So right away, the kingdom of God is our blessing.
1: Francis, this uh, verse 20 in chapter 6 of Luke says, Blessed are the poor. As he mentioned near the end here, if we go back and look at the parallel verse in Matthew 5, verse 3, it adds this little uh, P.S. in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. But there's a real connection here, isn't there, between the physical poor and the spiritual poor. Why don't you develop that a bit?
2: Well, there is quite a connection here, Chris, that the poor, we usually consider being poor in material things. right? But this is not referring to that because it says as you mentioned in Matthew 5, it says specifically poor in spirit. We should be poor in spirit, but that doesn't mean we should have a poor spirit. Actually, we should have a spirit that's rich in the divine things, but not full of pride and not full of uh, self. We should have a rich spirit, and we should have an open spirit and a humble spirit. And uh, that's what makes us poor in spirit, to be have a humble spirit, not filled up with things already. Having too many concepts, having too many riches in our consideration. Be poor in spirit means we're hungry. We need filling. We need more of the spiritual things. And so we really have a desire to be those who always are never satisfied with what we have in the spiritual matters. Right. We're still hungry for more.
1: Though, as he pointed out, sometimes the, the Lord will strip us, even outwardly, materially, because that helps to bring about this more uh, beneficial or blessed spiritual condition, doesn't it?
2: That's right. The ones that are rich materially have a hard time being poor in their humility, but ones that are really poor in spirit are really humble people.
1: Right. Okay, let's go on to our next point. Now I'm going to jump down to verse 27. Uh, this one is particularly interesting and intriguing. I uh, used it today for our opening, in fact. But to you who hear I say, love your enemies, do well to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who revile you. To him who beats you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. And now verse 35, but love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. And particularly that last phrase, I think, is one we want to zero in on. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to Witness Lee.
0: Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. This is the highest standard of morality. Bless those who curse you. Pray concerning those who revile you. To read these two verses, is easy. Try to practice. To him who beats you on the cheek, after also the other. Would you do it? How could you do it? You have to be a God-man. You have to be a man saturated with God and soaked in God. You have to be a man mingled with God. So you can And you would do this. You must have the life of God. You must be a son of the most high. You must be born of God. God loves us. Who are we? We are enemies. You have to realize when God loves us, He loved the enemies. And this love is the love of our Father God, because we are born of him, so his love should be born into our being. First John tells us love is the nature of God's being. So if we are born of God, surely we are born of the nature of his being and this nature of his being is divine love, then we can love the enemies so spontaneously as our Father God does.
1: Francis, I really appreciate how he presented this point. I think we've all tried to practice this, this matter of loving those who uh, are not so kind to us, Uh, and we run out of steam pretty quickly. But by seeing how he really demonstrated the ability to love enemies by the way he loved us. This is a marvelous uh, way to view this, isn't
2: it? It is. Actually, it's the only way to view this because there's not this kind of capacity in our natural being. Naturally, we react to people that uh, mistreat us or beat us, hit us on one cheek. I doubt if very many have turned the other cheek. Right. This is a good advice, but it's not natural. It's something of God's life within us. Uh, we have the power to suffer instead of resisting by this life. But in ourselves, immediately we resist when this kind of treatment comes our way. So we we have to have this God-man living. We have to have the life of God really saturating our being, even mingling with our being, so that we are really one with God. Then God's love can be manifested in us. And this manifests itself in a way of not reacting and not requiring Anything in return. Even if we give something, we're not looking for a a return. And the the beginning of this portion, he talked about loving our enemies and doing good to those who hate us and praying for those who mistreat us. These are big requirements, but they're beyond us. God doesn't expect us to have the ability to do it. He expects to put that ability in us. So that's the reason we're poor in spirit, so we could receive that kind of kingdom life and that kind of high morality that does not react in kind.
1: Yeah, I like those uh, three words he strung together there. We needed to be saturated with God, soaked with God, and mingled with God. Saturated, soaked, and mingled. That's our prescription, isn't
2: it? Yes, that's right, and that's the necessity for our Christian life.
1: All right, our next point now covers the matter of judging others, uh, but also included in this, incorporated, is the matter of forgiveness. Verse 37 says, And do not judge, and you shall by no means be judged. And do not condemn, and you shall by no means be condemned. Release, and you will be released. Let's find out about being released, Francis. Here's Witness Lee once more.
0: Then verse 37, Do not judge, and you will by no means be judged. Do not pass condemnation to others, and condemnation will by no means pass upon you. Release, and you will be released. Release here means what? Forgive. You forgive, and you will be forgiven. Years ago, in one of Mr. Spurgeon's sermons, Spurgeon talked about Christian forgiveness. He said, it is so hard for the Christian to forgive others. You may think, he said, you have forgiven others, but your forgiveness is just like to bury a dead dog into the earth with tail still above the earth. (laughs) After your forgiveness, you used to tell people, so and so offended me, and you know, I forgive him. He said, this is just to pull out the tail. Too many times, you repeat your forgiveness to others, and this repeating is just to pull (laughs) the uh, tail of the buried dog to show people, here's a dog buried. (laughs) And this means what? This means you don't release him. In the New Testament, to forgive means two things. Number one, to forget. To forgive is to forget. And number two, to forgive is to release. You have to forget your offender. You have to release your offender. Down in again.
1: Well, his quoting of Charles Spurgeon's sermon here was very vivid, I think. painted a picture pretty clearly, doesn't it, of what it is and what it isn't to forgive according to this standard.
2: That's right. Chris, I had this very experience when my two sons were little. They had a pet cat. And one day, I accidentally shut the door on the cat, and it killed it. And those boys took it out to the backyard and buried it very tenderly. Yeah. But they left the tail hanging out. <laughs> and they kept going back there to remind me that I killed their cat. So it was hard for them to forgive me. I told them I was sorry, but it didn't work.
0: <laughs> but anyway, this
2: is a very good illustration. And certainly, to forgive is really a trait only God has. We were his enemies but he forgave us. Right. Certainly, this forgiving life is now in us. By receiving Christ as our Savior and our life, we have this forgiving life in us. So we can release people from their from their accusations against us and uh, their blaming of us. We can forgive them, and we can uh, we can love them
1: because he first loved us, as uh, the Word tells us. That's right. And it's not just that his life and its forgiving and loving capacity becomes an example for us. And I think this is the tricky part sometimes, when we we do see that God has demonstrated all of these characteristics, and we try to then decide to emulate it as a pattern to follow Jesus. But it doesn't work quite that way, does it, in how it uh, works out in our living?
2: Absolutely not. You try as much as you will and try to be humble Only the life of God in us is humble, and only the life in God can really release someone from their guilt.
1: Well, our final section today touches this very point, and I think uh, is a good development of it. Let's join Witness Lee Francis for this last portion of a word that has uh, so many points, we wish we could touch them all, but we've uh, had to select just a few today.
0: You just consider this teaching, the top teaching on morality, is the man Savior's teaching because he himself, as the God-man, lived such a life. And that life is just the highest standard of morality. To practice this, surely you need such a life. Life is the basic factor of any kind of a being and any kind of a doing and any kind of working. If we don't have a certain life, we could never be a certain being. And we could never have certain behavior. And we could never do certain work. To be some person, or some thing, we need that life. You can never be a monkey, because you have a human life. right? You need to have the monkey life, then you can be a monkey. And you can behave in a monkey way. You can do the monkey work. (laughs) So, we all need to have certain life that we can be certain being. And we can behave certain way. And we can do things in that way. Life is the basic factor of our being, of our behaving, and of our work. In the Philippines, we are told that this Christ, who was God-man living on this earth, Such a life that was, high standard morality, today he lives in us. So we can live Christ. To me, to live is Christ.
1: Well, Francis very much uh, picks up the same point that we were fellowshipping just a moment ago, but I like uh, how he incorporated this word from Philippians about for me to live is Christ Christ. Uh, I think it'd be good in the minute or two that we have left if you developed a bit more the contrast between this kind of living and what it is to follow Jesus as an external pattern.
2: Well, I think anyone who has really been serious and tried to follow Jesus as an external pattern, trying to be like Jesus, has realized they have failed very, very much. We cannot live this kind of life by our natural fallen life. But there is a life in us. And this life is the highest standard of morality as is presented in the Gospel of Luke. And we see the Lord Jesus taught this high standard of morality. And not only that, but His living was an issue of this life, which was expressed in all that He did. So there's an issue of this life, which is really that high standard of life. And that life is really possible in us because He lives in us. And He's given us His Word so that we not only have Him as our life, but we have His Word also. And His Word now is life and in spirit. In uh, John six sixty three, the Lord Jesus said, The words that I have spoken to you, they are spirit and they are life. We need this life in order to live this kind of high morality. And the only way we get it is to be mingled with God Himself, who is now the Spirit in our spirit. See, if there were no Spirit, there would be no life and no genuine real Word. The Word, that is, the Word of reality, is actually the Spirit. Hence, in order to have the divine life and the divine Word, we must have the Spirit. And we know now that as the life-giving Spirit, Christ is living in us. And Brother Lee even quoted that verse, For to me to live is Christ, no longer I, but Christ who lives in me. This is the only way this high standard of morality can be lived out of us. And these uh, special blessings that we've heard about today Mm -hmm. can really be real in us because He does live in us. We have His life, we have His Word, and now He is the Spirit to issue in this kind of living through our living.
1: To sum up all of this, we have this phrase that we use again and again, and I think I'll close our program with it today. This is God's economy. And that, that phrase incorporates his living, the life that he has imparted and imparting into us. Right. So that it's not just what Jesus would do, but in reality, it is Jesus doing it. That's right. And that is a marvelous difference and distinction that we like to uh, bring back to our listeners again and again.
2: Very good. We do like to bring this to them.
1: Francis, I appreciate your, uh, your good fellowship today and uh, your strengthening word to all the points. Uh, this is a printed life study that, of course, touched all these matters. We, as I said earlier, were able to just select a few to bring to our listeners. But if you get the printed volumes, uh, this message is one that I think you will really cherish and have a lot of help for your own living and practice of the Christian life in this way that is uh, marvelous and beyond our natural ability to carry out.
2: To get uh, much more of these details, you need this book, The Life Study of Luke. And then you can see all these points are really brought out in a very vivid way.
1: Well, we invite you back as we continue on this Life Study of Luke. As we mentioned, these printed materials, you can uh, find out about those and give us your comments, ask questions. If you'll contact us at our toll-free number, that's 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. For Francis Ball, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening
0: today.
1: Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee. Brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. The focus of Living Stream is the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China in the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Witness Lee brought this ministry first to Taiwan, then later to North America and eventually to the entire world. For more than 20 years, he spoke these life study messages, unveiling how each book of the Bible shows God's eternal plan. God, through Christ, wants to dispense His life and nature into redeemed man so that man would become God's expression, enlargement, counterpart, and habitation. These studies go far beyond mere doctrine and unveil a personal, practical, and experiential Christ. In these short 26-minute programs, we summarize and condense Witness Lee's rich speaking. But to enjoy all the riches in these messages, we hope you'll visit our website at lifestudy.com there you can read all of the life study messages absolutely free of charge you can even create your own life study reading schedule or download more life study audio programs just like this one and all at no cost again the website lifestudy.com thanks for listening was jesus simply a great religious leader the next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John chapter 1, verse 29 Based on the scriptures, the religious people were looking for a great leader, but Jesus was introduced to them as a little lamb with a little dove. The lamb is for redemption, to redeem fallen man back to God. and The dove is for life-giving, for anointing, To anoint man with what God is, to bring God into man and man into God. Both the lamb and the dove are needed for man to participate in God. Scripture, John 1.29, and commentary from the New Testament Recovery Version published by Living Stream Ministry. For more information, visit lsm.org.